We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? On this special episode of Veterans Minimum, Lamb is here, and I am checking in with a buddy of mine, Evan, who is the director of Napier Capital in New York City. Evan is a former Wisconsin Badger soccer player and currently is still a huge soccer fan and we always touch on soccer and on this episode we kind of just sit back chop it up fire up the mics and we cover so many different hot topic topics where we basically touch on what happened with the u.s men's national team how come they're not going to be featured in the world cup this summer are americans going to be interested in the world cup despite not having the united states in it evan has a couple of kids that play in the youth levels of the United States when it comes to soccer. What issues does he have with the programs that he sees on a daily basis? And we also give our way, way, way too early World Cup predictions. Sit back, enjoy it, give us some feedback, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a special episode of Veterans Minimum. Unfortunately, or fortunately for you guys, it is a one-man show. The Lamb is here, and I am joined by a very special guest. Um, you know, I had an issue on how to introduce you because I didn't know, you know, is it customer, is it friend? I'm going to go with friend. Uh, my friend Evan Odom, director at Napier Capital. Evan, say hello to the people. What's going on, guys? So uh, Evan here is a... Former soccer player at uh, University of Wisconsin, yep, that's right. and it's it's funny how you know I see you pretty much every day for mm-hmm. like two or three years now. In the morning, you help uh, support the family business, and you know from the little time that I do see you, one thing we always hit on was soccer. Yep. We're both big soccer fans, yep. and um, Evan being the smarter of the two in the sense that he's a Manchester United fan, doesn't need to suffer <laughs> with the Arsenal heartache that I have. <laughs> But um, I do have to say that thank you for not picking on me for being an Arsenal <laughs> fan. But uh, 
try my best. It's sure. hard. Yeah. So um, the reason why I have you on here is because us two share the same passion for soccer. You came through the youth levels of soccer. You have kids that play soccer. Yep. So it's something that I've always harped on what some of the issues and the flaws are in this country when it comes to soccer. So from the little time that I see you every day, it's like 30 seconds to a minute. You had told me, I think it was one morning you saw me all like banged up and you're like, yo, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And I said that I played in a men's league soccer. Mm -hmm. And that's when you told me. I remember. You played. Uh, you played college soccer too. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, it was a while ago, uh, but one of the best times of my life. Absolutely. So, b before we get into that, you grew up in Minnesota, right? Yep. Okay. Born so, raised. when was the first time you came to New York, and what was that feeling like? Because me, I know I'm a little bit of a homer. I like to think that all sporting events should be in New York. Like, the atmosphere is crazy. Um, you know, the Knicks win seven out of eight games and people treat it like it's game seven of the finals. So how do you feel about New York versus everywhere else in the U.S.? Uh, I mean, honestly, I love it. That's why I'm here. Um, growing up in Minnesota was great to, if you're raising a family, um, you have real passionate people that, that live in Minnesota, um, very down-to-earth people that live in Minnesota. Um, but it's just not as diverse as I would have wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. um, here in New York, I mean, it's just, you have, it's just a melting pot, right? And just, you have every view, every color, every race, and you just, you just I just feel comfortable. So, you know, I, I love it. Yeah, that's, that's something that I always say. Like, I grew up in Queens. Mm -hmm. Now I live in Long Island, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's this one, this one avenue. It's called Ditmar's Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, a, it's about like a 10 block radius. And you walk down, each block has about five or six different restaurants. Right. You know, you have Japanese, you have Egyptian, you have Moroccan, you have Greek, Italian. So, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I, New York, I like to tell people that have never been to New York that it, it might as well be its own country mm -hmm. from the rest of the U.S. It's just so different. Um, all right, so tell me, tell me about your time playing soccer in college. So, first of all, what position did you play? So I played in midfield, but the way that I had kind of marketed myself or I thought I had it in was um, in club soccer I was goalie. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was kind of, you know, it would be an interesting end to Wisconsin to say, hey, there's maybe one less guy you have to recruit if you can kind of recruit, you know, two guys. So there you go, yeah. I went up through the club ranks, through the ODP ranks as a keeper, but then when I played in high school, we had a good young goalie, and so I played in the field um, and was able to make All-State and do that as well. So I ended up playing actually in the field at Wisconsin. So it worked out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Out. It's funny you mentioned ODP because I went through those ranks too. And, um, you know, one of the biggest regrets I have is I stopped soccer at a bad time. So I was playing ODP, I made the select team regionals and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, you know, you bring up a good point about that. Now, I don't remember, did you have to pay to participate in these? Was there like a club fee? Because I remember we had club fees. Club, for... fee, club fees, yes, ODP, I can't remember. But I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but the expense aspect of you know, what it costs to play soccer. Yeah. If you have talent, that's, which I'm, I'm guessing that's where you're trying to get to. Um, I, I can't remember ODP specifically, but there was always a cost factor that we had to think about, be concerned about. Yeah, for sure, definitely. So um, tell, tell me about, like, the experience playing college soccer. Did you, you know, so you said you played club and ODP. How different was that level of soccer with, 
you know, college soccer. Now, Wisconsin's in the Big Ten. That's right. Big right? Ten, so yeah. what, what differences did you notice? So it was, it was interesting, right? Because you, you, you think that you're this, this kid from small-town Minnesota, um, and you get to Wisconsin, who had previously, I think they had won the national title. I had got there in 98, 99, and I think they had won it in 96, okay. I want to say. Um, and so you think, wow, you know, you know, this talent, and I'm not going to have a chance. I'm just going to ride the pine. But honestly, the biggest thing I can remember thinking about was the having. You had to have talent, right? Mm-hmm. And you had to be in shape. But the biggest thing I remember in college was you just had to be physical. Yeah. Like you couldn't back down for people. So if you could throw some people, some bodies off, and you could hold your own from a physical physicality standpoint, I was like, all right, you know, I can do this. I, I felt like I belonged. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, but it wasn't the biggest nerve that I had going in was the talent, like mm-hmm. having the ball skill, having the ball control, having the, the tactical ability. Um, but the physicality, that was the one thing I said, all right, you know, I, I can do this. You can hold it on. This. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I, was, uh, I went to Buffalo State for uh-huh. two years. And um, a lot of my friends, my freshman class, a lot of kids on my floor in my dorm played soccer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we would wake up Saturdays and watch, like, the English Premier League games or whatnot or go to the bar and watch the uh, Champions League games or whatnot. Right. And um, something I noticed was when we would play just pickup in the gym, some of the kids were telling me, dude, you should come and play. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, though I stopped playing at 16, I always mm-hmm. play, you know, messing around and whatnot, not at, you know, the ODP levels and whatnot, because mm-hmm. I made the transition of playing football. Mm-hmm. I played high school quarterback, rightfully so. I kicked also just because, you know, just the kickoffs. Of course. I actually got recruited to play kicker. Similar to how you said you went to school thinking you'd be like a goalie. Right. But, you know, you, you sold people on, you know, you could get two for the price of one kind yeah. of thing. Like, I could play the field and I could play goalie. Yeah. I had told when I was getting recruited, you know, I can I can kick, mm-hmm. but, you know, I play quarterback. I can be like a practice squad. So that's, that's what it was for me. Nice. And then, uh, you know, playing, it, it was always a physicality. And I think the speed, too. Like, you had to be yes. in shape. 100%. So that's where I think growing up watching the U.S. men's national team, one thing that always stood out to me was, you know, these guys were, whether it was the 90th minute or the 6th minute, you couldn't tell. You know, these guys were always in phenomenal shape. And that's where I think we are still behind tactically and, you know, the finesse style of soccer between the U.S. and, like, the world. Mm-hmm. But I think we're, our conditioning is what levels the playing field. And that's what I think you're, trying, you're saying with, the, uh, with, like, college soccer. Right, right. I think, I think it's a little bit different now back from when I played to, to now in that you really, you're gonna get exposed if you don't have the talent. You oh, have yeah. to have the talent, Definitely. I don't wanna say that. Yeah. Um, but I think you can get some people through the cracks or people can get, that's another advantage they have if they can come in with a physical presence and say, listen, I belong here, this is, this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm too small, I'm too weak, yeah. you know? So it was an experience that I'll never forget. I mean, we were very, very fortunate to be able to wake up on a, on a Thursday and have class fly out to Seattle, you know, have, like, play a game or two, and then come back and be in class by, you know, Monday morning. So it was something that I, uh, I'll i cherish forever. Um, but I wish more kids had the ability because I don't, I think there were, there were plenty more talented kids that could have taken my position. Mm-hmm. I just somehow, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe the kids that don't didn't have the money coming mm-hmm. up and didn't have the ability to play the club soccer yeah, yeah, or maybe yeah. go to ODP and have their name on a certain list, yeah. which 
draw the attention to some of the coaches and, and some of the scouts and right. other right. coaches, which is yeah, still a problem sure. today. Yeah, it is. So um, the U.S. men's national team, unfortunately, they didn't make the World Cup. Yeah. Right, and. Um, what was your initial reaction to it? Because I had a interesting reaction when it happened. Yeah, it was it was one of those moments where I still remember. Like, uh, there's those times and moments where you remember what you were doing, where you, you were, were with, one of those things. Yeah, I'm ashamed, or maybe not ashamed, to say that I remember very well watching the game against Trinidad and, and almost turning the game off, yeah. or just kind of saying, "I'll do something else." Yeah, because it's like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll wrap this up, no problem. It's, you know, nothing really to kind of concern myself with or to be too invested in. And then you get in time sticking away, and it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, are you absolutely kidding me? And then it's kind of you look around and say. Is anybody else seeing yeah, this? Does anybody else have the same reaction yeah. that I do? I mean, oh, <laughs> I'm getting heated just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that was the same thing with me. And a, a lot of my buddies, they know they know me as, like, the soccer guy. So I was yeah. getting texts, like, you know, prior to that, like, yeah. dude, we're really not going to make the World Cup. And I was telling them, like, yo, there's no chance we're not going to make the World Cup. Yeah. You look at all these, like, power indexes, and they're like, oh, um, 98%, 78% to make it through. Yeah. And similar to what you were saying, how, you know, I'm watching it on my recliner, and as every minute's taken away, I'm like itching like further and further up on the edge of my seat. Yeah. And then the game ends and it's just like just shocked. So what were some of your emotions during the game? Like what happened when they scored that first goal? Did you were you just like, okay, we'll come back? Or the, the what first, were you, you know, watching the US the last couple of years, and I'm sure you feel this way, in the World Cups, you know, how many games would they start off? Down one nothing within five ten minutes. It was our mo. Yeah, every every, every single, single time. time. And even going back to to 2014, um, uh, with, with Ghana, they give up early goals. Uh, 2010, I mean, in the semis, give yeah. up an early goal, and it's like, dude, you can only overcome so much, yep. and you dig yourself a hole like that. Yep. Yep. So I'm watching that. I'm like, all right, you know, they'll, they'll come come back. Typical USA stuff. Yeah. And then they give up the second goal, and it's yep. just like, oh my god, Howard's out of the net too, and it's just like. You know, so my initial reaction was upset. Realistically, I thought, and I don't know if you saw the World Cup group, that they would have probably drew. It's like Belgium and England. Yep. So yep. they would have got smacked around anyway because I, I didn't think this team was really good. I think mm -hmm. some people, they've held on for too long. Mm -hmm. like, as much of a fan of Altador as I am, uh, Michael Bradley, Tim Howard. You know, when you take off 18 months, mm -hmm to just like, you know, find yourself or whatever it was when Tim Howard went away from the mm -hmm. national team. It's like, dude, I feel like you've waved over a white flag, you know? So, like, So do you think other guys should have been playing instead of them? Yeah. You think so? Yeah, yeah. but the, the issue with the goalie is you have Guzan, who the last two teams he's played with in the EPL, I know you're an EPL guy, they've yeah. gotten relegated. So it's like, <laughs> how much better is what we have there with him? Bad karma, I know. But um, what do you think happened with the U.S.? Do you think it's... Uh, do you think it's these guys overstaying their welcome that should have went? Do you think because, you know, we do have the one guy, and we'll get to the one guy. We both know who we're talking about in Pulisic. Yep. But um, what do you think is was the issue? Because it's, it's, it's embarrassing that they don't make it out. You know, CONCACAF is built for Mexico and the U.S. to always make Every it Every time. Every single time. No doubt about it. There's no excuse. And I told my buddies, you know, Brazil, when they play Bolivia, you know, 
maybe once every 10 matches in Bolivia, they'll, they'll lose. Mm -hmm. But besides that, they're dropping four or five nothings right. on these teams. Right. And USA, it's like, you know, you're playing Panama, and right. no disrespect for, to them, but you shouldn't be struggling to beat them at home. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. So what do you think happened? I think it's a level, I mean, listen, the players are human just like us, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's complacency. I think they probably had a sense of, hey, we're going to come in here and play on this pitch that looks like a high school pitch and feels like a high school pitch and whatever, our talent will, will overcome us. The guy, look at the left, look at the right. Hey, this guy plays for this team in Germany. This guy plays for this yeah. team in, you know, whatever, England. And these guys, we don't, we don't even know who they are. Yeah. They're not even playing the MLS. So, you know, that's fine. We'll, we'll come in and do this. And, you know, our chest puffs out and do you know who we are kind of a thing. Um, and then after a while, I mean, these guys are just as talented, right? They, they have speed. They have, they have power. Um, but from our perspective, I, I think it was just a, a sense of complacency, and I think it was by the coaching as mm -hmm. well. Um, and again, it's easy for me to say from from the comfort of my own couch, um, but that's all I have to go off of. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think it was age. Because I, I was looking at this the other day. Do you know how old Michael Bradley is? Is he 30 or he's, just yeah, He's like 30. Yeah, he's but just he, been around for so long. He, it makes you, I saw yeah, that. I yeah. thought he was like 35. I know, yeah. So I don't know if it was age. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a bad chemistry group, like a, like a gelling yeah. amongst the team. That it, you know, I remember growing up. You play with guys for so long. You know where they're going to be. Mm -hmm. You know what they're going to do. You know what they're thinking strategy wise. Maybe because Arena, I, I, there's still some leftover from Klinsman. Yeah, some mentality. I, I just can't put my finger on it. But you know, I some of after time has passed a little bit. There's been a little bit of ease to say, well, it's not just the U.S. Right? We saw the Netherlands. Yeah. Not being there, we saw you said Ghana, uh, Cameroon, yeah. saw Italy, Italy. Obviously, I mean, yeah, yeah. Italy was last time in the fifties or something like yeah, that. I they think so. Yeah, they so. actually said uh, I was I was reading the Wall Street Journal and they said that the loss for them economically mm -hmm. is like close to a billion dollars in two thousand eighteen. As far as like all the revenue that they bring in from like you know the cafes, the yeah. bars, uh, people. You know, um, I have a friend who goes to several cities when there's like a sporting event going on, yep. you know, and he was actually in, um, I believe it was France was the last Euro Cup, mm -hmm. and he went to Paris and just to go watch a random Euro game. You know, right. It was like Poland and Russia or something. Right. But, you know, you get all these tourists that like to go into your country, even though you're not, ho Italy isn't the host of the World Cup, but you just get a different vibe when you're Absolutely. there. So. Between all of that and, like, uh, I saw something else that was funny. It's, like, the morale of Italy has gone down because... Mm -hmm. And that's one of the big difference with, differences between U.S. and, you know, how people view soccer in, in Italy. You know, mm -hmm. It's, like, a natural, uh, um, a national travesty over there mm -hmm. when they don't make the World Cup. And there's, like, a fire sale. They're firing all these people. Mm -hmm. and um, They're yeah. invested. Yeah, they, they are, are invested. invested. Yeah, absolutely. Down to their bones. What about you? What do you think? Why did the U.S. So, qualify? I think that the moment that Pulisic became a household name to like the U.S. soccer fan, mm -hmm. and from his first cap with the U.S., the moment he stepped on the field, 10 minutes in, I was watching the game with my pops, and he's like, that's the best guy they've ever had. Hands down. And it's, it's unbelievable that he's 18 years old, and you know I've sang his praises so many times, but the difference between him and everyone else that comes in, like your Freddie Adu's, Josie Altidore's, Landon Donovan's, these guys all came in through the U.S. youth system, mm -hmm. and U.S. media makes him a star. Mm -hmm. They push him down our throats where this dude is from Germany, plays mm -hmm. in Germany, and they're telling us that this kid, you should make note of him. Mm -hmm. You know, So 
right away, I felt like they asked him to do too much. I think there was a stretch where in, in six games he contributed or scored every single goal. Wow. Even the penalty kicks that, like, Altador would score at Dempsey, he, he was won them. Foul. Yeah, he drew the foul. Yeah. So I think that the, he came in and, you know, as much as people might not want to say it, when you step on the field, you could tell who the best players mm-hmm. are. Absolutely. So I think they just put too much on his plate. Meaning that they relied on him. They relied on him. Much. And it became similar to, I know this is a terrible comparison, I'm not comparing him to Messi, but mm-hmm. how you saw when Argentina, when, and they're much more loaded than what we are, mm-hmm. They relied so much on Messi, where if Messi had a bad game, mm-hmm. they almost failed to qualify. I think it was up until the last day of their qualifying that yep. they actually advanced. Yep. And now they're like a favorite to win it, you yep. know? So I think that they put too much on his plate. I think that I'm a big fan of every World Cup, you cycle the head coach. Mm-hmm. So you give him one head coach, especially when you're not winning. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Jurgen Love in Germany, he's mm-hmm. won a, a Euro Cup, he's won a World Cup, so he has the track record. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Del Bosque back with Spain. Mm-hmm. But I think with Klinsman, like, sure, he revamped the program, he brought in all these dual citizenship guys. Mm-hmm. And some of them were awesome for us. You know, mm-hmm. Jermaine Jones was a solid piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, John Brooks mm-hmm. was solid. Um, Fabian Johnson, too. Mm-hmm. Also, Fabian Johnson was missing from those qualifying yeah. games. I mm-hmm. didn't understand. Yeah. I felt like he let a lot of the older players that had to say step in still when they shouldn't have. Yep. But, um, yeah, I think the the biggest takeaway from them not making the World Cup is the outrage from the general public. Mm-hmm. Like uh, CNN covered it, mm-hmm. ESPN, Taylor Twellman went on like this epic rant. Yep. So how did you feel about them not making the World Cup? Like the reaction from, I don't know, your coworkers that know you're a soccer fan or just, you know, how'd your kids react too? Because I know like my little cousins were like, we're really not going to be in the World Cup. Right. It's I, something they've been used to. Yeah, my oldest or my middle one is 10 and she would, I mean, they're still too young to, I guess, know the difference to, to look back and say, well why we expect the U.S. to be yeah. in it, right? And to be honest, they're trained well to just like Manchester United. So. Yeah, <laughs> listen, you've, uh, I, I get all the heat from my mom's actually a huge Yankee fan, and I'm yeah. a Met fan. Wow. So I know all about uh, making the terrible wrong decision. So, yeah, here's that. Um, so sorry, I, I completely lost. Um, so how did, how did my coworkers? So... I don't. I, I think it was similar to what your the, your friends asking you. Like, well, wait a minute, maybe the guys weren't as knowledgeable, but this is pretty big deal, isn't it? You know, and to be honest, the, it's a big deal now for everybody. But when a World Cup comes around, I don't know. These are kind of the passive interest guys. That if it's on here in the U.S. or if it's on in a place where it's convenient for for these guys to watch it. None of these guys, honestly, were ever going to wake up and watch the games in Russia yeah, yeah. at a certain time. Or have it up on their right, iPad or, right, or something. No. Um, so, and I think that's the problem, right? Like you were saying, Italy, This people are invested. In Germany, people are invested. It's, it's a way of life. And here, it's, it's, it's behind so many other... It's not a way of life. It's just, oh, my, it's, my kid wants to play it, and it's easy for them to play, and it's affordable right now. My kid's going to play. And that's, that's yeah. their interest in soccer, but it's not a way of life. And that's, that's my issue. Yeah. That's my issue. I, I, I agree with you on that. And um, so you have kids, and they all play soccer? Two out of the three. Two of them. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about the youth system? Because I know like there's some youth teams, and even when you look at like AAU for basketball, you look at uh, travel baseball, mm-hmm. some of the prices that these 
teams are asking for, it's a little steep, mm-hmm. you know. And soccer, I've heard a lot of people say that it's a pay-to-play sport here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people say it's the rich man's game. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you see videos and pictures of kids in, like, you know, those third-world countries or those countries that aren't economically as strong as the U.S. where they're making a soccer ball out of plastic bags. Mm-hmm. They're putting it together out of socks and whatnot. And mm-hmm. it's like there they use that as, like, an out, you know, to, like, make it. So I think that that's an issue, too. Like, some of the calls for the youth teams... It's like how you were saying about how, you know, kids, you felt like there were kids that were better than you, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't get into these programs. Mm -hmm. So do you think that there's an issue with, like, the youth system? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I remember correctly, I mean, if I remember correctly, the U.S. Soccer Foundation had a surplus, had a pretty big surplus, and that was one of the big topical points as far as the new president, how they would use Mm -hmm. this money. Um, But, you know, as an anecdotal piece here, I remember my, my 10-year-old daughter just started traveling soccer this year. It's her first season. And every season up until then, she's played in a kind of the local kind of youth. So it's been a big jump. So she's actually had to travel, play more games, more more practices. And we she went to a game, and they just happened to be playing after the game in front of them was her former kind of like local youth team. So it was all of her, her old players and her old friends, the ones that just play Saturdays, and that's it. You know, no practices during the week or anything like that. And we were there. I was there watching some of the players, and I'm thinking... Man, there's some players, some girls that could really play. Mm-hmm. They should be playing on this, this team, team, yeah. As opposed to some of the girls on my daughter's team, traveling team now. That should be playing on the team. Yeah. It was like their first season playing soccer, yeah. or you know, the, the the politics of the family, the yes, parents, exactly. and this and that. Yeah. And it's like, listen, at the end of the day, we want our kids who enjoy this game to be able to play. Yeah, that's the bottom line, and we should be able to make it affordable and make it accessible, whether it's. You know, after school, we have a place for them to play. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm going to go into my backyard and shoot hoops. Yeah. Or I'm going to go to the park and be able to shoot a basketball hoop. We need to be able to have those little spots where they can play, yeah. you know, small-sided games. Or, you know, if, if it, it just, we need to make it more accessible for the kids that can. We shouldn't just because they can't afford pay, it. Yeah. You know, to go to these tournaments or to have, you know, a certain jersey or a certain warm-up when they can't play. Um, and that's been a real thorn in my side. Yeah. My, my friends are going to get a kick out of this when I say that I was, you know, at a young age, I was very mature. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able to understand, like, financially. Like, you know, I've had no issues, like, growing up, got everything I wanted. Playing in these youth systems, there were some times where it was like, oh, you know, my coach would come over, talk to the parents, and say, you know, we want to take the kids down to Houston for a tournament. It's going to cost $2,500 for two weeks. My dad will pull me aside and say, look, I can I can do this for you, no problem, but just know it's going to set us back or, yeah. you know, Christmas might not be as glorious, right. glorious or whatnot. Right. And, like, I was able to understand, but then eventually when the summer comes around and it's like they're asking you to go to five, six tournaments, how it's do you like, do that? you know, how do you do that? How can you swing that? Yeah, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot on some of these families they're playing. And, and I agree with you. I think that it has to, that's something that the next U.S. soccer president is going to definitely have to address right. for sure. Right. Um, so I have a, I mentioned this to you before I started recording. So I kind of have a, I don't know if it's a theory or a take. And um, some people say it's a hot take. Some people agree with me. But I think one of the issues that holds the U.S. back from being a world power is the education, mm-hmm. right? So what I mean by that is, yeah. 
um, you know, Pulisic, when he was 14 years old, his father took him to Germany mm -hmm. because you could see, like, as you were saying, you were watching your daughter's old team mm -hmm. and you saw some kids and you're like, hey, you know, this girl should be playing here, mm -hmm. you know, so you could spot the talent. Mm -hmm. In this country, if I was to tell you I'm going to take my son out and I'm going to send him to an academy, mm -hmm. a lot of people will look at you different because it's not the norm, mm -hmm. whereas everywhere else in Europe and in the world, it's like Messi at eight years old, mm -hmm. Barcelona bought him mm -hmm. and brought him out to Spain, you know? Mm -hmm. So Pulisic went out to Germany. Mm -hmm. Here, right, you, at 16 years old, you're still in high school. Mm -hmm. Graduate at 18, you're playing college. You get out of college at 22, 23, right? And then you enter the MLS draft. Mm -hmm. Kids in Europe at 22, 23 have about six, seven years of pro soccer. Professional experience. So it's like, sure, you're getting education and I'm not downgrading education at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just saying that I think that that's something that's going to need to be addressed for the U.S. soccer to take the next step. It's, I, if I remember right, um, Christian Pulisic was saying it's not, it's part of the huge learning curve of him, for him, was being exposed to other like-minded individuals. Not, and not, he wasn't saying like, it was... The practices were different. Mm -hmm. The the day to day life and how you carried yourself was different. What you ate every day was yeah. different. What you it just everything was the professional experience. Um, and I, I can't agree with you more. Not only do I think our our U.S. kids are should should go experience this, I think that the their expenses for the family should be subsidized. Uh -huh. I think if the parents are saying, well, part of the reason we may not be able to do this is because there's family members here, we, like how do we afford, I can't find a job over there. Well, if U.S. soccer says that's a talent and other people are recognizing talent and that ultimately helps us, the development and the growth of the U.S. brand, uh -huh. here, we'll help you out with that. That's only beneficial for us in yeah, the long yeah. run, right? I never even thought about that. That's, it's wow. only beneficial for us. And I mean, a little bit goes a long way for a lot of people. For right? sure, yeah. Um, so we need to get our kids exposed to, to other like-minded players. And I'll, I'll even go a step further is that, as a, especially at such a young development age, I mean, 14 is one thing, but even younger than that, um, he may be a little bit different, but like I have a, a six-year-old, my son just turned six, and he plays on a team in a league that's still so small, but it's still being coached by parents who are just kind of volunteering time. Gotcha, yeah. It's more of a babysitting type yeah, of yeah. thing, or maybe some of the dads play and you know they have experience, but a lot of these other guys, it's just, here, throw a ball in the middle and yeah, just kind of chase after right. it. And, yeah, yeah. We should be educating these parents and helping these parents and somehow you know, incentivizing parents to say, this is a really formative time for these kids. Um, don't like, let's not waste it. Let's not just throw a ball here. And these kids are smart. Yeah, these yeah. six year olds are, are yeah, smart. Yeah, they can sure. actually, you know, and that really, really, it's, it's never too young to start with this. But incentivize some parents. I don't want to get a, uh, an email or a call from the league saying we need parents or we not be able to like have a league or like teams. We should say, hey, we'll, we'll help with this. So just come and help take some coaching classes and it's paid for, you know, and what else. But, um, those are little types of things that I think this new president should be able to help help do. Yeah, and it's something so you know small. Obviously, not the moving <laughs> an entire family to a different you know country, mm -hmm. but you mm -hmm. know as far as like having an actual coach to coach these kids, not just a father to kill his time or whatnot. Right. Right. You know, I, I think that goes a long way too. So um, I want to get into actually before I get into the World Cup, 
Um, soccer in the U.S., right? I think that it's still growing, mm-hmm. and I think that it's made huge strides forward, even like a decade ago, mm-hmm. right? And one thing that I remember, you know, my friends and I like to bar hop in the city on Saturdays mm-hmm. for like random college uh, bars. We'll go and watch like a game. We yeah. actually went to a Wisconsin bar one time. Oh, yeah? yeah, they were playing, um, I think they were playing. Uh, Penn State they might have been playing okay. a couple of years back right. but um, yeah it's cool but before then uh, it was Southampton and West West Ham were playing mm-hmm. I remember telling my friend oh, one of my buddies <clears throat> he's not a big soccer fan but I was like dude the fact that this game is on TV right now this is like watching the Jaguars and the Cleveland Browns in football mm-hmm. like in that league you know um it, it just goes a long way. That now you have all these networks with all these contracts with like La Liga and the Premier League, and it's more Paying accessible. Yeah, and it's more accessible for you to, you know, wake up Saturday morning and you mm-hmm. can have a game. It's not you don't need to, you know, do the illegal live stream to That's watch right. a game anymore. Uh, Fox Sports has it, NBC Sports. So I think it's more accessible and it, it's easier to consume. It's also it's it's easier to consume in the sense where you know you have a family and the wife says oh Evan you, you got to do this for me right you can mm-hmm. say ah oh, this game is ending in a half hour mm-hmm. because you know that soccer mm-hmm. it's ninety minutes <laughs> you know so it's cool like I remember one time <laughs> have you talked to my wife <laughs> no no but, but it, 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 what's funny is you know you've had um, like with baseball right baseball. Yeah. You don't know how long the game is going to go. It might go into extra innings. It might be a five-hour game. Even basketball, it might be overtimes. Or for the most part, English Premier League game, you know, game starts at 10 o'clock, 11.45, you're done. I remember one time, my friends and I, we played, like, uh, we hit a a stretch in the summertime where we would play, like, midnight football. Mm -hmm. We spray-painted this football white, and we'd go into, like, the park at, like, a supermarket. Mm -hmm. We'd play football. And one of our friends was saying how, oh, I'll come when the game ends. And it was a baseball game. Game went into 15 innings. So he didn't show up, obviously. But I think that soccer is easy to consume. There's no, I mean, there's a break in halftime. Mm-hmm. But besides that, there's 45 minutes mm-hmm. straight action. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, that's, a, that's a thing where, you know, you look at um, the demographics. They say that amongst millennials, it's, uh, it's the most popular sport. Mm-hmm. So I think another take that I have is when my generation starts having kids mm-hmm. I think that's when you might see a change in like the youth soccer that's a good point because like we lived it you know that's like I point. saw some of the flaws as well as you did because you played through the rankings so it's like now you kind of know like you know my daughter shouldn't be playing on this team because you know she's going to get lost here because the coach doesn't know what he's doing mm-hmm. I'm going to bring her on to this team mm-hmm. so I think that that's a change too um, how do you feel as soccer as a whole in this country it's still incredibly popular, right? It's got, it's got to be the most popular port or sport played by youth. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what the number is. 30 million sticks in my head for some reason. It's probably less than that. But um, there's a lot of kids playing. And the it doesn't cost much initially. You just need a ball, yeah. right, essentially. Um, but again, it's how do we cultivate from the very, very, very young and very grown. And do we make it accessible that once they get to this 9, 10, 11, when traveling starts or when it starts to branch out a little bit, how do we make it more accessible um, and have quality people teaching them yeah. the right fundamentals? Again, not just a parent and nothing against parents. These, this, we wouldn't have got this far without a lot of these parents yeah. and dads Volunteering and moms saying, time. hey, I'll, you know, I'll go for practice and a game at the end. So kudos to them. Um, but it's really have to get into this, this, this mindset of cultivating these young minds. And you know, to your point of saying, well, soccer's on TV all the time now, 
my kids are seeing that as well, and they're using that as a supplemental piece of information to their own development. Saying, yeah. okay, I'm playing, and I see all these people playing over here, I can go buy their jerseys just like I can go buy an ODB jersey. Yeah. Just like I can go buy like, you know, a Tom Brady jersey, yeah. whatever like that. Well, Pogba, you know, my kid wants to cut his hair like Pogba. And, you know, it's just, so that that only helps. It only helps. We still have a long way to go, but like you like you mentioned, we've bounds and leaps. I mean, look at the MLS. Yeah, right? MLS, the MLS is still a relatively young league. Very, you know, that's what a lot of people forget. I, I think they just had their 20th anniversary last year yeah. or this year it might have been. Yeah, that sounds right. That and, sounds right. And, you know, what I think the, the MLS needs is they need a star to come here mm-hmm. that's not treating it like a retirement home. Mm-hmm. Like, they need a Neymar, like mm-hmm. a Neymar-type player now who's, he could play on PSG, he could play on Real Madrid to come to the MLS now. Then I think you'll start taking it serious because there was, um, I think it was Conte before he became the Chelsea coach, mm-hmm. they asked him about Jovinko mm-hmm. on Toronto. Mm-hmm. I think he scored like 75 goals in two years. Mm-hmm. And they asked him like, oh, is he in the running for a center? Mm-hmm. He's like, don't tell me about an MLS player. Right. He's like, right. he gave up his national duties when he went to the MLS. Right. So when you hear people say that, mm-hmm. I kind of agree with them too. When these yeah. guys treat it like a last paycheck, right. You know, Kaká just retired. Yeah. He was making eight million dollars a year. Yeah, so it's like pretty low too. David Villa still plays. So it's like these guys. When when that happens, when a Neymar type player comes here, I think that's when the MLS will take the net. I mean, we need to go a step further. I think it needs to be a number of Neymar, or maybe a little bit, maybe a slightly lower, because Neymar would come in here and it'd, it'd be like you playing. Like in a U twelve league, yeah, that's true. I mean, kill he's everybody. already killing it in, right. in Paris now. Right. You can I don't, see the difference. I don't think it's the draw. Like the stand, butts are getting in the stands, right? Like people are coming. Yeah, to the they games. are. It's the quality of talent that needs to be out there. So I think it needs to be more really top players, not in their past their prime. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We're, we're getting there. Yeah, we're for sure. There. All right, so let's get into the World Cup, right? So before we dive into X's and O's for the World Cup, what yeah. are your general feelings? Like I'm when the World Cup comes around, I'm right? I'm a kid in like a, a candy store. The only thing, I, I just wish it wasn't <laughs> Russia. You yeah. Know? I, just for the timing. Yeah, the timing, timing. for sure. i a tired yeah. man for a month. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I remember uh, when I first got into soccer, it was uh, 2002, yeah. and it was in Korea. Yeah. And I would, you know, my, my dad always wakes up early wake for work. Up. Yeah. So he would wake me up and watch like some of those games, and I would stay up. And, you know, mm-hmm. even at that age, my sleep cycle was a mess. I right. can't even imagine. It's not going to be to that extent, but, you know, right. the hours are That's a little bit of a challenge. What you the draw. The draw what do you think of the draw the world cup draw it just happened that i think ago. yeah i think that uh all the top teams should advance mm-hmm. there's no real group of death mm-hmm. um i saw where panama fell in mm-hmm. and it's with tunisia belgium and england okay. and that's who the u.s would have drew mm-hmm. so you know going back to the u.s real quick if they would have made the world cup they probably would have been a one and done mm-hmm. but it's just cool to see them there of course um you know, there's been reports from Vegas. They're saying that they're expecting half the wagers mm-hmm. on the World Cup to go down because there's no USA. Really? So how do, how do you think, do you think, obviously not us two because we're fans. We're going to watch it regardless. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about, let's go back to the, the co-worker. Do you think they're going to be interested in this World Cup? Not, not even close to the level, one, if the U.S. were in it, um, and two, just because it's, it's in Russia um, it, just the timing. The I don't timing, think guys yeah. are going to wake up early. They may watch it like the replays when they get home, similar to like the Olympics. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, you come home and you watch it in prime time. Um, but I, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. 
the, this com- this country loves soccer. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. And, you know, when the summer rolls around here in the U.S., the international the tour, yeah, comp, I mean, they fill up every every stadium. every stadium. There's there's a thirst, a real thirst for for soccer here. And um, and also, you're not talking about cheap tickets. No, like you're not going to see the Mets. I'm a Mets yeah. fan. You pay like seven dollars. You sit on yeah. third base. You're paying like in the you know two hundred dollars. Right. You're sitting All on top. All the way up. I actually. Uh, for my dad's birthday a couple of years ago, Argentina played the U.S. at uh, MetLife. I was there. Yeah, yeah. I remember. And um, we we sat, I think, second second to last row from the top. Yeah. We paid about, like, $200 a yeah. ticket. Yeah, You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you couldn't drop a pin in the place or yeah. what was it? There's so many people just <laughs> packed out. It was great. So I hope it's the same way for the World Cup. I really do. It may, it just, that month, you wait four years and... You know, you want the the collective buzz to be to be good. It just makes the experience all that much. much yeah. Better, you know? What sucks is like I know from my group of friends, they've uh, through the years they've become soccer fans. Like they all play FIFA. Okay. That's another thing too. Kind of like underrated That's is. True. It's the most popular sports game, That's true. and it's not even close. Obviously, you know, kids in Greece and Italy they don't play Madden; they play yeah. FIFA, yeah. but. Even so, like in the U.S., it's the most popular sports That's game. That's a good point. I wonder what yeah, it is. Everybody plays FIFA. It's a it's a fun game. A lot of people know like these, you know, yeah. like my one friend who doesn't know anything about soccer, he'll tell me like, he's like, oh, Cavani. What's, what's with the beef with Cavani? I'm like, dude, how do you know Cavani? He's like, oh, I play FIFA, man. I play FIFA. So, so you have that also. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's going to take it. For us to say that it's not going to take a hit with Americans being interested in the World Cup, I think we'd be lying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always don't like to throw myself and you fans like us in there because we're going to watch it regardless mm-hmm. and we're going to be, you know, stay tuned. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck when it comes around and you're going to have your friend from work or, you know, one of my buddies say, oh, when's the U.S. play? It's mm-hmm. like, no, nah, we're not in it. You know, it, do, it does hurt. Yeah. Um, who, who, who are you going to be rooting for? There's some interesting storylines, you know. There's going to be some good teams. I'm glad that they, the FIFA, did the right thing this year as far as how they ranked the teams, mm-hmm. like actual one through thirty-two. The pots, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, you don't have like you mentioned this group of death, and you have it relatively evened out. So hopefully the cream of the crop will rise. But I mean, France has attacking options for days. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Brazil looks reloaded and ready to go. And you know they got to be fired up from you know last, last time we one. saw them in the World Cup they, they lost how yeah. they got oh yeah, to Germany oh Germany and you know too. there's um there's actually a pretty cool place uh, it's called uh, Studio Square okay. in Queens okay if you haven't checked it out um it's a it's a beer garden yeah place gets jam packed and in Queens it's one of the like you know going back to what you're saying about diverse mm-hmm. I think Queens is the most diverse place in like the world mm-hmm. and um you know. No matter who's playing, the place fills up, and you see, you know, Chilean fans. Another team that didn't make the World Cup too. Right, we forgot How to mention. That make yeah, this? Chile, back to back Copa <laughs> Copa Americas. So you see all these different flags and all these different cultures, and it was like probably ninety ten Brazilians to Germans mm-hmm. that day. And um, man, did that wow. place get quiet? Wow. In Brazil too. I know. Like, I I have to expect them to be fired up. I know for sure. Yeah, they're definitely favorites. Who well, else? Germany is a favorite, right? Germany, uh, Spain is making a. Return to Spain got talent too, and and you know what? Um, the people that listen to this show will know my uh, love hate for England. Yeah, yeah. I was out in uh, Vegas prior to the Euro Cup. Actually, one of my customers is from England. Um, he's a Leeds fan. Yeah, and uh, 
I had told him I was like, you know, I'm thinking of making a uh, investment in England to win the Euro Cup, and he's like, throw your money he's away. Like, listen, lad, don't don't donate. He's like, I'm telling you. Anyway, I didn't listen, so I made the, the oh, investment. And it was funny because they were playing Russia in the first the first leg of the group stages, yeah. and actually tied Russia that day. Yeah. And uh, I was at a pool party in Vegas, and one of the cabanas had a Manchester United flag. Yeah. And then they had an, uh, a Liverpool. So I start talking to them. Guys from from England, obviously. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, you know, how we feeling, lads? You know, I'm trying to do a poor British <laughs> accent. And I'm like, how, you know, how we feeling about the Euro Cup? We just got to win. Because last I saw the TV, yeah. they were winning one nothing, dominated. Because, mm-hmm. ah, we just tied to the Russians. Yeah. He's like, and I told him, you know, I was like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm going to be rooting for you guys. He's like, ah, you wasted your Don't money. Don't do it. <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, all right, so I just donated to all these fancy buildings that yeah. Vegas has by uh, throwing my money yeah. away to England. But, Fool's gold, man. You know, um, England... Belgium, Belgium. Uh, France, even right now. One thing I like doing, obviously, we're picking a winner now from you know six months away, but mm-hmm. so much of it is how well are these players doing going into the tournament? Mm-hmm. Like right now, if the World Cup was to start, I think Belgium would crush everyone. Like That's what people thought last time too, though. Yeah, but fair. But Who's right now, changed? like Hazard is playing. I, I mean, like right now, if the World Cup was to start. Playing well. Yeah, well. like the, the, their players are probably playing at their best right now. And they qualified pretty easily, they right? They did, yeah. They're actually in the same group with Greece. Yeah. So that's why I followed their uh, qualifying. But They have a new manager, though. That you got to think of that, too. I wonder yeah. That. Yeah, they qualified well. That's true. Yeah. But like uh, KVB in Man City, he's crushing it. Yep. So it's like some of these players right now are playing at their best. And, you know, that could be an injury right around like um, mm-hmm. what's his name the guy Marco Royce mm-hmm. on Germany mm-hmm. you know they've won a World Cup and I've been telling some of my friends he plays on Dortmund with Pulisic mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of people were saying this is Germany's best player mm-hmm. and he hasn't played for them yet mm-hmm. so this goes to tell you another reason why we're so far behind is the mm-hmm. talent pool That's you know if, if Bradley pulls a hamstring or Josie in the last World Cup pulled a hamstring mm-hmm. he didn't play it's like we had no center forward up there. That's crazy. So it's like the depth over there with the other countries. Um, I, I'm going to hit. Who are you thinking? Who are you thinking? So I'm of the uh, Messi is the best soccer player I've ever seen. I think we'll get over the hump. So for you to be, and, and I know you know this too, for you to be considered an all-timer, mm-hmm. you need to have success with your, with your country. Mm-hmm. You can win all the Ballon d'Ors you want, Champions Leagues. La Liga's. We didn't mention Portugal within that regard. Yeah, so Ronaldo won one with, with the Euro Cup, mm-hmm. last Euro Cup. Mm-hmm. So he has that under his belt. Mm-hmm. Messi needs one. And I think this is the last Messi peak of his powers mm-hmm. tournament. And, mm-hmm. you know, they got they got a lot of talent, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Aguero, Di Maria, Dybala and Juventus. Mm-hmm. So I'm hitching on the Messi bandwagon. I would love to see him win. Um, my, my pops also, he got to see Maradona too. Uh, and uh, he's like, I think Messi's better than him. Really? So it's cool to get that because, you know, they, they do say about people like my age and generation, like, oh, if it happened when when you weren't around, it didn't happen kind of thing. So, <laughs> so where's your money going to go? That's the more important question. I'm going to probably lean towards, you know, hard pick is, is uh, Messi in Argentina. Okay. I think so. But, you know, yeah, I'll probably stick with them. I think it'd be a cool storyline, too. And it I think that, that that'll be a storyline that people are going to, you know, like the casual soccer yep. fan will jump on board. Cause That's a good point. A lot of people do know Messi. So they might say, you know, like, oh, I'm going to root for them kind of thing. For his sake, I, I hope, now that we don't really have a, a dog in the fight, I hope he gets it. Because you remember the last one and how crushed, like you yeah. were saying, I was going to read, like, Retire, the game, I'm yeah, done, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. done. And you just, you want to, as a fan, you want to see greatness, right? Exactly. Whether it's 
for for country, but you also want to see it for Barcelona. I want to be alive and see and say, hey, I saw the greatest player ever. Yeah. You don't want that to stunt his ability or not his ability, but his performance with Barca either. So that's a good point. Yeah, so those were our uh, way, way early predictions <laughs> for the World Cup. Uh, we could wrap this up. Evan, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Got to chop it up, talk some soccer. It was fun. Um, is there any way anyone can reach you? I know at the end of the show we usually do plugs. I don't know if you're on social media or anywhere. I specifically said I'm, I'm trying to stay away as long as possible. I hear you. That. There's a lot of nonsense on there. So I'll leave it as is. I'll leave it like this. If you guys want to reach Evan, you can reach me. At uh, Veterans Minimum is the Twitter handle for the show. I'll give him all the feedback. I see this gentleman every day. Thank you once again for joining me. Appreciate um, it. Next as time, Manchester a, United. Yeah, as a <laughs> gift uh, from the guys on the show, we're giving you an exclusive oh, Veterans Minimum hat. You can leave that in your office. Um, I think there's only like eight made, and the, wow. the five of us that are on the show, so. That hat is from us. I appreciate it. I know a lot of the people listening are going to be very jealous. So with that being said, uh, enjoy the new year, guys, because you'll be hearing this around the time of New Year's, and I'll talk to you soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.